Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Our talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Welcome back to Buckeye Talk. It's the Thursday pod. Douglas Maurice, Nathan Baird, Stephen Means, and we are going to preview the spring game. This is like the thing to listen to before Saturday, so you kind of know how to watch it. That's what we're trying to do here on the big Wednesday pod. We just went through the roster and talked about talent and the team and what it means for the fall and what we've learned this spring. This is going to focus more on when you're sitting down at noon on Saturday on the big 10 network to take this in. What is really of interest? Because there's some guys who aren't going to play because they're hurt or because they're veterans who don't need work, but there's some jobs, right? That this is a step in the competition. There's some things we might learn about how they're going to go about, things defensively or offensively. So that's what we want to focus on, Nathan and Steven. But I do think we want to set a little bit who's not going to be there, just so people aren't saying like, oh, what's wrong with that? Like there's a bunch of guys who have not taken part in spring practice or who have been limited. So Nathan, let's start on the offensive side of the ball. Among the dudes that people would be on the lookout for, who who will not be there, we expect? So on the offensive side of the ball, it's a combination of guys who they haven't ever really said are, are completely out for the spring or, or the guys who've been missing when we've been able to watch or guys who have been limited. So it would be like Harry Miller, who hasn't been doing contact things. Uh, Julian Fleming was out of some contact things. Nicholas Petit Frere was not at practice Monday. Master Teague was not in the – I guess I shouldn't say he wasn't at practice, but was not participating in the window that we saw. And Ryan Day did say Nicholas Petit Frere had a, a short-term thing. And, and Master Teague also – I did not see him out there. So that's just a handful of guys that I think could go either way, except for I, I would assume Harry Miller definitely probably not on Saturday just because he's been out of contact stuff all spring. Yeah, so so no Miller. And, and then also offensively, just be on alert for some of the veterans to not do much. I, I don't know that Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson will do much. I guess they'll be out there some, but also maybe they want them to work with the guy who's going to be the starting quarterback in a game situation in the stadium. So we don't know. A lot of times the veterans don't play a ton. Ryan Day on Monday did say they're sort of planning it to be, you know, divide up into two teams, a scarlet team and a gray team, kind of go at it at least for a half. So I think it is going to be a little modified. You know, the spring game does change from year to year, how much it's like a real game or how much it's not. 
you know, they always used to do the thing, the losing team would have to mulch Buckeye Grove. I don't, I don't know if there'll be enough of a structure of a game situation to be able to do that this time. But Harry Miller, one of the big guys, and then we don't know much about Wilson and Olave, how much they'll be out there. Nathan, defensive side of the ball, there's even more guys missing from a health standpoint. Yeah, here's where we have guys who we know are just like out for the spring. So Haskell Garrett, Seven Banks, Cam Brown, Court Williams, Dallas Gant, Mitchell Melton. All those guys have either not been practicing at all this spring or were hurt at some point in the spring and ruled out for the rest of the way. So defensive side of the ball is definitely where we know that they're going to have to go a little bit deeper to fill those teams out for that half. Okay. So that's what not to look for. We are going to look for the quarterbacks. So we're each going to give three things that we're curious about for the spring game that we want to see on Saturday other than the quarterbacks, because this is like a huge step in the quarterback competition. And in 2018, Joe Burrow and Dwayne Haskins were in a very different situation, but that spring game was a big deal for that competition because Urban Meyer said, I got to tell somebody. So they sort of, Dwayne Haskins basically won it, not in the spring game, but I thought he showed in the spring game why he won it. He made one throw in particular that my column off the spring game was like, Dwayne Haskins made that throw. You have to pick him. And then it was like, well, yeah, might have been a little bit of an overreaction. Joe Burrow was pretty good too. But, like, it matters, right? I mean, it's like you don't want to put too much emphasis on this, but you can't pretend it's not kind of a big deal. So, Stephen, let's talk quarterbacks. How should our listeners watch this? What is it that they could be looking for? Is it just as simple as who looks good? Or is there anything else specifically as they watch Jack Miller, Kyle McCord, and C.J. Stroud that should be on their mind? I mean, yeah, I think the first thing they're going to all watch is who gets to go on the field first because every single outlet, including us, has been talking about how C.J. Stroud has been first in every single drill. So if he's the first one to go out in a public setting like that, I think that might get some fans a little roused up and thinking, oh, yeah, the job is already his. Um, but then outside of that, it's just how do these guys, especially with C.J. and Jack more than Kyle, because Kyle's still the raw high school quarterback who was a five-star and all that stuff, but he hasn't been in the program as long, so some of that development might not be there. But so with Kyle, it's more what's he – the raw talent look like as a thrower while with the other two it's how much development has maybe taken place over the past year and maybe that's more of a a a reflection of Corey Dennis than it is on CJ Stroud and Jack Miller this is pretty much his first like report card at this point so I do think that's I don't know that I am thinking of it that way because there's two different things here right one of the things is the development individually of three very talented quarterbacks who were big-time recruits. And they are at different places in their development. You know, Jack Miller had some injury issues in high school. Kyle McCord's a year younger. C.J. Stroud was more of a late riser. So their individual development, and you take all that into account, right? You take in their background. What high school did they go to? What was their health? Who have they worked with? And you can say, well, maybe they're not, you know, the starting line isn't the same for all of them. So let's look at their development. On the other hand, it's a competition. And I don't care what your starting line is. The finish line is coming up in September. And wherever you started, it's about who gets to the finish line first. So I appreciate, like, the idea of let's look at development. I just want to see who's winning, <laughs> right? Like, if Kyle McCord looks like, hey, that guy's got some stuff. Look at, hey, he made some arm angle throws. He looks, he looks like he's got a little juice, right? But 
he also looks like, oh, my God, you can't put that guy in the field in September. Then that's the second part of that is of more interest to me right now. That if I see great potential that really doesn't look ready to start a college football game in September, I'm curious about the finish line. Nathan, I'm looking at we are 80 meters in to the 100-meter dash, or maybe 65. 55, 61. And we're trying to come up on the finish line here. Like, I'm very interested in who looks like the best quarterback right now, because then I'll think that guy's probably going to be the starter in September. Yeah, I, I think it's, it is giving a glimpse as to who's leading it right now, but, but kind of hitting on something you're getting at in a larger sense. I think it's also, do you come out of the spring game as a fan with just a general confidence in the quarterback position. Like if they all go in and, and, and make bad mistakes, if they all go in, everybody throws picks, that, that sort of thing. I think that gives you a different vibe coming out of this. Um, and, and I think you want to have – you're coming out of this thinking that there's maybe a clear leader because of how that guy played, not because the other two guys look like they are not ready for the spot. Does that make sense? Like it, it's having a, a, a confidence of depth in the quarterback position as you come out of the spring game. I mean, we've been able to see now four practices and we've seen some like competitive drills. We've seen some uh, red zone things, but a lot of what we've seen from the quarterbacks is, Hey, this is the, you know, they're throwing this route and they're going to throw it each three times. And um, maybe the receiver catches it. Maybe he doesn't. And it, it, that doesn't tell you a lot. So I'm looking forward to just sort of getting to see them in some more competitive situations, more unpredictable competitive situations, what sort of decisions are made from that, and what sort of confidence do you come out of this game with in their ability to make those decisions? I agree with that. Who can drive? Because we haven't – we saw it once in a practice before the world shut down where C.J. Stroud was going 11 for 11 and threw that touchdown pass to DeMario McCall. But we haven't seen them – seen that, put together a drive the way that you want a quarterback to be able to do. So that is going to be very important to keep an eye on with all three of these guys because they're going to get that opportunity to maybe have a 75-yard drive to see what they can do with it. And there are things we won't see. I don't know that we'll get a great sense of running ability or anything. They're just not going to have them do that kind of thing. They're not going to throw complex defensive looks at them. So the idea of like, hey, you didn't see the zone blitz and you hit a linebacker in the chest with the throw, you know, defensive end in the chest with the throw, or you, they disguised the coverage and you thought it was man. And they, I don't know that they'll be doing that. I mean, unless they are doing that because they want to trick the guys, right? I mean, a lot of times you're just trying to get a read on the talent and you're not, it's not about what can Kerry Combs dial up against Jack Miller, right? So I do think one thing is, I mean, everybody listening to this, they, you guys haven't been to practice. None of them have thrown a pass in a college game. We talked in our – when we broke down the quarterbacks before spring practice started, and I would still encourage people to go listen to that podcast. You'll find it in your feed. I still think it's a good way to, to learn about these guys. But we were talking about there, like, how they look on their highlights, how they look on their high school film of how the ball comes off their hand. And if maybe C.J. Stroud, I thought the ball exploded out of his hand a little bit. Jack Miller was a little bit smoother and – Kyle McCord was a little bit more like ragged in a good way with different arm angles. Like we'll get, we'll watch them throw. We'll get a sense of what kind of ball do they throw? So I think that matters. And then there's the decision-making, right? So, I mean, there's like the, what's your ball look like? Are you, are you throwing behind guys? Are you leading guys correctly? And then there's like, you know, did you make the right read? Did you not see a, not see a safety? Did you, you know, why didn't you throw to the open guys? So I think those two things will get a, a sense of, I don't know, like 
I also, Nathan, don't want people to get too like it's not going to be over as much as like I'm, you know, I'm, I was all juiced up for practice on podcast the other, other day, and I was like, it's over. I watched practice for 25 minutes, and I, Doug Maurice, in my 17th year of covering Ohio State football, declare the quarterback competition over. Maybe a little much, maybe a little much. Nathan, do you think there's a chance, based on my reaction to half an hour of practice, that whether Ryan Day and Corey Dennis and Kevin Wilson say it or not, do you think fans might leave Ohio Stadium on Saturday and people will get up from their couch on Saturday and think, I know who the Ohio State quarterback is going to be and, and that they'll be right? That it's not because somebody told them, but it's because their eyes told them. And then in September, you'll find out their eyes were, were right. Do you think that's possible? Yes, because I think it's possible that there could be just a combination of not just the physical skills, but also the, the poise and the just the sense that you get from. And I think at this point, it's fair to say that CJ Stroud would be the one that you would probably get this vibe from just from what we've seen in practice. I think it's possible that just, you know, that that body language, that just way he carries himself, even if there is any massive separation in what they actually do when they're throwing a football or, or running, that I think those sort of things almost subconsciously can give you that indication that that's the guy who's leading this. That's the guy who is best in position to be the starter this fall. Um, I think that's kind of natural at this point, just because of the way last season ended. The fact that Comic Cord's only been here uh, weeks. Uh, I think those that, that's kind of natural, though. Uh, but I think it is setting things up for a situation where somebody is really going to have to come from behind in a big way to take the job away from him in the coming months. Do you think we might might people might get that feel, Stephen, or would you be? Is it too much to ask? Do you think? I think that's. I mean, people are going to do it. Yeah, he's the only one. He's the only one that can go go out there on Saturday and put a punctuation mark on this battle. I don't think we should. I think that's going too far with it, and it's just you're basing it off of what his momentum was coming out of high school and the fact that he came in and took two snaps, one in a Michigan State game and one against Clemson because Justin Fields got knocked out of the game for a play. We're not, it's not based off anything other than what we're already assuming. So when you say, oh, can they assume who the quarterback is and be right, there's only one person you can put on that. It's not like if Kyle McCord comes out and wows anybody, anyone's going to – they're just going to go, oh, Kyle McCord and C.J. Stroud are no even. Or Jack, if Jack Miller does the same thing, it'll be, oh, now it's a battle. C.J. being the only person we can do that with, that's – it's kind of – I don't want to say it's cheating, but it's just being lazy with your evaluation to do that. No, but, but, but not, I – Lazy is not – okay, lazy probably isn't the word, but it's just – it's making the easy decision that everybody is already thinking anyway. But, but, I, but the idea that, like, we are making assumptions based on the fact that he played one snap against Michigan State or one snap against Clemson, he was this number two quarterback last year. Like, yeah. that's – that. It, we're not basing it on the one snap. We're basing it on the fact that the one snap showed us that he was ahead of Jack Miller last year. So that's a fact. I mean, you know, I mean, and to like, you can't be, I mean, that matters at least some. And then if you add in, he looks pretty good in practice. He was the guy that went and got laid. I mean, I think there's with, with CJ Stroud, there's multiple things, right? It's yeah. like, the way they got him in recruiting, the fact that he was number two last year, the way he's looked in spring so far, I think those are three things in his favor, but I think your overall point is correct. If C.J. Stroud is four for 17 on Saturday and Jack Miller is 12 for 12, we're not going to say Jack Miller's the quarterback. We're going to say the battle is on. If it's reversed, 
we're going to say C.J. Stroud is the quarterback. But I don't think that's unfair or making incorrect assumptions. I think it would be if C.J. – I mean, honestly, I think at this point, I would say C.J. has three things in his favor. He was the guy who they went – he's the guy who's a year older than McCord who they went and got. We got to get this guy. He was number two last year, and he's looked good so far. If CJ's the best guy on Saturday, he's now ahead four nothing in our assumptions. If he's not the best guy on Saturday, he's still ahead three one. Now maybe he's ahead three to one and a half because the spring game is a big deal, but I think he's still ahead. So I think you're exactly right, Stephen. But I think it's also I think that's fair. I mean I think that's okay if we view it that way. That maybe it feels like CJ in our eyes at least could put it away Saturday or it will remain a battle Saturday. Those are the only two options. And I think that's a smart way to look at it. I think that's the way our listeners and our readers and Ohio State fans should go into Saturday when it comes to this quarterback competition. All right, that's the quarterback setup. We're going to come back with three things each, not quarterback related, that we are most curious about on Saturday. We'll tell you that next on Buckeye Talk. Read cleveland.com slash OSU. Buckeye Talk, five days a week. Again, a reminder, the Friday Buckeye Talk, we, this is, Nathan, we're not surprised by this. It turns out we're not having quarterback interviews before the game, as we thought we were, and then we're not. I hope that means we get all three quarterbacks after the game. And actually, I think it's a thing, it's a little bit, Stephen mentioned Corey Dennis. I think it's a little bit for Corey Dennis, too, because if we talk to the three quarterbacks and Corey Dennis now, and we we're like, who's ahead? Who's ahead? Well, who's ahead? Well, is it, is it 58% CJ Stratton? And like, it's three, three young guys and a young coach who would all be like, ah. Like, that would be the whole interview. Ah. The spring game will have something concrete to talk about. And then we can get into everything else, but we can talk about specifics. I'm not surprised this happened, Nathan. It, it makes sense, but I think it actually might make for a better quarterback conversation if we have something that we all saw to base it off of. If we end up talking to them, I, I, I guess I can see that. I, am, I might be more skeptical than you that we ever get to talk to them this spring. So well, at least it, get Dennis, though. I mean, they can't sweet. just not give us Corey. I mean, He's unless paid too much Ryan, money to not talk to us. I'm unless sorry. Ryan Day just talks about quarterbacks for 40 minutes after the game, right? I mean, I mean yeah, that's, he's the but, quarterback's coach anyway. So. But still, you, you get paid way too much money to just hide from us when, when your position is the one that we're, we're most concerned about. I'm I mean, sorry. it's one of the things. No, I mean, it's, it's, it's you know, I, I hope I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be sunny and optimistic. Man, my wife just got her second shot. Like, everybody's sunny and optimistic. The world is opening up. Of course we're going to talk to the quarterbacks on Saturday. Right, Mike? Right, Mike? You're listening. Of course. Of course we're going to talk to the quarterback Saturday. We are going to talk to the receivers on Thursday. Brian Hartline and some receivers. That will be the Friday pod. So, we will, you know, this is the spring game preview. Friday pod, it'll be based on all this great receiver conversation that we're really looking forward to. And then no Saturday morning pod because the Saturday pod will be the post-spring game pod. We'll get it up Saturday evening. So that's the schedule the rest of the way. Nathan. What's the first thing on your list of non-quarterback-related stuff that you want to see with your eyeballs on Saturday? So as we already said, uh, Seven Banks, Cam Brown, not going to be in the mix on 
Saturday, which leaves a, a lot of young defensive backs to take a lot of reps. And so, and, and they're guys that a lot of, in a lot of cases we haven't seen. I mean, we obviously saw Lathan Ransom in the last season. So I do kind of want to see where he's come along, but I also want to see some of these guys that we have never really seen take truly competitive reps like legend Cavazos, like Ryan Watts, um, other guys who came in, you know, the true freshman or Jansen Dunn or Denzel um, Burke. Like I want to see young defensive backs play football. And it, it, I think you're right that guys like Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson will not play much if at all, but that's, who's going to be locking up against those guys in a spring game. If, if those guys are on the field. So I kind of want to see those matchups. I mean, th- does somebody look, does somebody look like a dude? Does somebody look like a guy that Ohio State needs to get on the field this fall? Cam, you didn't say Cam. You didn't say Cam. Cam, 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 Cam. Give me like 25 snaps of Cam Martinez in the slot on Jackson Smith and Jigba, and I'll have a happy Saturday. I'm I'm ready for that. I agree. I agree with that. That wasn't one on my list, but Nate, I mean, Steven, how can we? I mean, but but Cam, to be Cam's number one on my list of all those guys, and I agree with all of them. Cam's the number one guy that I want to see this really good versatile athlete who's now in the second year making this transition to corner who they're talking about, Steve. Yeah, that was literally number two on my list. It was just the subject headline was called, can the young cornerbacks make me feel good? Yeah. It's just, yeah, literally. I mean, cause you're right. You're right, Nathan. I mean, Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson aren't going to play much, but they'll at least play what five minutes just for the sake of getting some reps with those quarterbacks. So if like, Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson don't embarrass them the way they're embarrassing everybody. They're going to embarrass everybody else for the rest of the season. You can feel comfortable going, okay, those are the two best wide receivers in the country, and those young corners held their own. So if they can do that against those guys, and that's who they have to go against against practice every day, I feel a little bit more comfortable when we get into the season that there's some depth there that you can play comfortably and be okay with what's going on out there. And again, same thing with the quarterbacks. We're looking for a general development of each individual player, but we're also looking like, what's the ranking yeah. of all those guys? Who's more likely to play? Does Cam Martinez look ahead of Ryan Watson, Legend Cavazos, based either on play or where he's playing, right? Or does it look like, holy moly, Legend Cavazos, that guy is ready for Big Ten football tomorrow, right? So who's it going to be? I'll add one of mine now because there, there are two things that play always. There's the who and there's the how. So I'm also interested in the how of the secondary. And I am going to be interested, as always, uh, how many times do they play two deep safeties? They have two guys back there a lot. Is Lathan Ransom in on first down? Is, that a, is it not like I just like the how? The how both – how often do they have two deep safeties versus a single high safety and the second safety versus a slot corner versus passing situations versus first down. Like I just want to see the mechanics of it a little bit more. Not that it means that that's exactly what they'll do in the fall, but I'm curious. So like if, you know, I think all of us, if it's going to be like, Oh, they come out, CJ Stroud comes out with the first team offense. They come out with the first team defense and there's two deep safeties. We're all writing that down. Right. So, like, that kind of thing. So, I'm, I'm just curious about that because I'm a simple person and I'm curious about four things in life. And I'm just curious about them again and again and again. All right. So, we sort of had a secondary thing there. Steven, what's another thing? That corner thing, like, was a, one of your things. What's, what was first on your list, Steven? Everybody not, that's a wide receiver not named Chris Olave or Garrett Wilson because that's a lot of talent and they're 
you know, at least Ryan Day is is pushing out there that they're going to get back to that six-man rotation. I mean, the the fact that Jackson Smith and Jigwa is now clearly a starter means that there's going to be some other guys in the rotation because Jamison Williams is just not going to play after being a starter last year. So I want to see how good those guys look. How much – because you kind of – you asked the question, how do you, you – you, you got three NFL guys that you could just throw the ball to every single time if you wanted to, but how do you balance that with some of the other talent in the room? Well, let's answer that question on Saturday. Are there other – are these other guys developing? Are they good enough? Or do I do I walk away feeling like, okay, yeah, this is just going to be the Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave show and everybody out there is just getting cardio in? I agree with that, but if Julian Fleming doesn't play, that complicates it a little bit. It goes it goes down. It's it's number one basing basing it on Julian Fleming. If he doesn't end up playing, then it probably moves down to three. For me. Yeah. Nathan, did you have any receiver stuff? I, I did. I put down uh, seeing you know Marvin Harrison Jr. and Emeka Buka both truly in action. You know, guys who are true freshmen who seem to be making some moves again, depending on who's healthy and what that really means. But, you know, guys who've gotten some attention early this spring, the coaches are obviously high on what they've done this spring. And I want to go see them play against other real football players in kind of a more wide open situation. And it is like, even if it's, and we don't, again, we don't know exactly what they'll do, but if they go some ones versus ones and then twos versus twos, like some of the two versus two stuff, because like a lot of the twos are going to be like first and second year guys who are top 100 recruits but they're twos here right now that could be really good. And they're going to be being thrown to by a guy who's still in the quarterback competition. So like, again, and they'll move the quarterbacks around with who they're working with. So um, that makes sense to me. I, I, I think the receivers are interesting. It didn't make my list because again, while it's interesting, I think we know who the starters are and it's Wilson Olave and Jackson Smith, the jig And we know that Wilson and Olave are going to play a lot. So, Yes, I'm curious because, of course, we're curious because it's like positioning, right, even for 2022. I don't know that who those guys are has a hugely direct effect on how good Ohio State will be in 2021. Doesn't mean I'm not curious. I mean, you all got to be looking two and three years out when you're watching the spring game, right? So that's a real thing, but I also don't think it's it's not quite as pressing from a win-now standpoint as some of the other things I'm going to be looking for. All right, I gave a how before. I do have a who. My big who is Teron Vincent because he's been around for a long time, but I think he'll play, right? I think they're going to give this guy some action. And if he is tearing people up, then all of the things that we have heard, because I think it's possible. I mean, I don't know. Again, how much will Tyreek Smith play? How much will Zach Harrison play? I don't know. But Teron Vincent, he had a role last year, but if, if he's going to be a dude, this might be the, oh, my gosh, he is better than Haskell Garrett <laughs> or whatever, right? That I'm, I'm on alert for the official arrival of Teron Vincent. And, Nathan, I think we'll all know it if it happens. We'll, if it, if, if, we'll recognize the fact, eh, there he is. There's that five-star guy from an NFL family who people have been talking about. That dude looks like a like a player. Yeah, you know, as much as this is a, a controlled environment and it can be sort of like football with, uh, you know, restrictor plates or whatever at times, uh, I think, isn't that a NASCAR thing analogy? I don't know. Have, but like, Have you ever covered NASCAR? Have you ever covered yeah, a NASCAR event? I've covered Steven? like dirt track auto racing, but not NASCAR. No, no, no. I have no interest in ever covering a sport where all you do is turn left. Well, it's not, it's not about interest. 
I've covered a lot of stuff that I'm not interested and know nothing about. Oh, yeah. The first thing I ever covered was a, um, you know, I don't remember what it's called, but when it's really cold outside and everybody goes and jumps in a, a freezing lake. Yeah, like the polar bear plunge. Kind polar of. bear plunge. That's exactly what I covered in Southern Ohio. It was, not really a sport, though. Not really a sport. I know. As much. That, that yeah. was just, I don't know. Just, they told me to do it, and I was an intern. I said, okay. So... When I worked in Delaware, there's a, a NASCAR race in Delaware, in Southern Delaware, and I worked for like the biggest paper in Delaware. So we covered the heck out of the stuff that was in, in, in our state. And our big things were we had two NASCAR races a year at that track. And we, at the time when I was there, we had an LPGA uh, women's golf major. So those were like the three things that like Delaware owned, because otherwise we were covering Philadelphia stuff. So I covered, I mean, I've covered 20 NASCAR races. I've been like in Dale Earnhardt Jr.'s trailer and like, hung out with them and like I've done a million NASCAR things but I mean you go down to a NASCAR event if you've never been to one I mean it's like a it's like a moving it's like a town right that these fans go from race to race and they set up campers and they're they're all there so there was a not surprisingly this is a pizza story I'm negotiating by the way to have a pizza expert on the podcast after the spring game I think it's going to happen we're going to talk about Columbus pizza so there was a, a particular pizza that I liked it was called Grotto Pizza in Delaware and they had like a food truck of Grotto Pizza in like the fan camper area. So one day after interviews, I was leaving. I was walking to my car. But first I walked to the Grotto Pizza food truck and I bought myself a whole pizza for a drive, my, the, like the hour and a half drive back to my house. So I was walking back to my car and this guy who was like living in the, you know, was one of the NASCAR fans in the campers comes up. He's shirtless and shoeless. He's wearing only cut off jean shorts and he's riding a bicycle barefooted and he comes up and he says can i have a slice of your pie he's like trying to take my pizza like a stranger pulls up on a bike and wants my pizza i wouldn't give my mother a slice of my pizza so it didn't matter who he was or what he looked like the answer was going to be no so i said no and he said you yankees sure are tight with your money and it was like, that was just like him. He tells this story of like, Northerners, don't go to the race in Delaware. They won't even give you a slice of pizza. And it makes me sound like I'm anti. Now, that's entirely true. That is all. It just happened. I don't know what I'm supposed to say. I, I'm not judging him, but I'm sure as heck not giving. <laughs> judging I'm judging him a little bit. Like, yeah, I'm just, right. Yeah, I'm, well, I'm not like chastising you for judging him. I'd have done the same thing. What what stranger would you give a slice of your pizza to? I wouldn't give what a slice is, of my pizza to my own friends, let alone someone I don't know. I don't even know what that looks like. Is that southern hospitality? That if you if he had dr driven up next to somebody and at a race in South Carolina, they would have been like, "Sure, man, here's a slice." I can't even. I don't know. I can't get my head around it. But, like, if the guy had come up, like, fully clothed in socks and shoes and spoke in a more Delaware accent, would you have been more likely to give him the pie? No. And I would be like, then this guy, like, in a plaid shirt and kind of, like, baggy jeans uh, came up and said, hey, man, can I have a slice of your pizza? And I was like, no. And I just tell the same story in a different accent. So that's my NASCAR uh, Anyway, 
that that going back oh, five minutes about? in time to that, that detour we're talking about teron vincent and i was saying Ooh, that good player there is there is a an extent to which we're looking for people who pass the eye test a little bit on saturday i think you're right i think this that could be an example of that because even if they're not playing wide open football there are some things like i still feel like i haven't really seen teron vincent really play like I didn't see him play at all the first season and then last year you know he starts the year off hurt and it just seemed like he never really caught that spark that he needed and maybe he was still held back a little bit physically from all accounts he's playing in a just a a different way this spring he's playing at a different level this spring maybe just a different level of health most importantly and I want to see what that looks like yeah he's he's my big who he's my big who um, okay, take another quick break. We'll come back with our last things that we're looking for in the Ohio State spring game on Saturday. You're listening to Buckeye Talk from Cleveland.com. All right, Nathan Baird, you got one left on your list? Well, I didn't actually just make – I mean, I had three that were at the top. When I mentioned those receivers, it was because I went beyond that because I thought we'd have some crossover on ours. Same. Others, but Same. you, above Same. and beyond. I just but, did three. Uh, I just but, do the basic Okay. My other my other big thing is the linebackers. I want to see where the linebackers line up. I want to see, you know, who is actually out there in front of things. That we, like we said, we're not going to see Dallas Gant. We're not going to see Mitchell Melton, who would have been in the mix, like a depth guy. And whatever they do with that bulletish position won't involve Court Williams. But I really want to see how Craig Young looks and how he's how he lines up, how he's used, how often he's used. I want to see what's going on at the Mike linebacker spot in Gant's absence. I want to see where Kayvon Pope plays and how much. Like, there's a lot of stuff that I feel like we don't know yet about the linebackers. We have little glimpses and hints and and nuggets of things, but we don't really have – other than I think we're pretty sure Taraja Mitchell is going to be the will on opening day, I don't know that we know for sure a lot about those other two spots. And really not even just first string, but beyond that. Like, how is this going to line up depth-wise? That's a who and a how for me. Yeah. That's my other one because it's which mm-hmm. players and then is Kayvon Pope in on first down and Craig Young's in on third, like, or is Craig yet like sort of how that all fits together. But also Steven, I mean, this is, is the Steven means watch out for Cody Simon yep. watch. Like, does it really do a bunch of people come over to the Steven means way of thinking because Cody Simon on Saturday in Ohio stadium looks ready to play Big Ten football. That would be quite a thing, Stephen, right? Yeah, I had three who's with the linebackers and everybody else. Yes, I care about, but not to this extent. Cody Simon, I want to see him if he can go out there and steal a job. I mean, we just talked about it with with C.J. Stroud. It's, you know, can he put a capsule and have people, have fans feeling like, oh, yeah, we know C.J. is going to be the starting quarterback. Can Cody Simon, to a lesser extent, kind of do the same thing here? I mean, Dallas Gant's not going to be out there. And if he goes out there and he's awesome and that he continues to build on that throughout fall camp, but he – establishes that momentum right now with 20,000 people watching, I think there are going to be some more people who come over to my side of thinking and, and not just being like, okay, these 2018 linebackers are going to be the starters and Cody Simon is going to be one of the reasons why. So it starts with him. We do know Taraj Mitchell is going to be the starting wheel linebacker. We might not know anything else, but we know that. So the starting wheel linebacker here has been awesome for the last three, at least since I've been here, Malik Harrison, he led this team in tackles. He was awesome. Pete Warner in that role led this team in tackles. He was awesome. Can Taraja Mitchell continue that and just be everywhere, even if they can't tackle? Do I, 
do you watch when they're on defense? And if you're we're following around to Roger Mitchell, every time the ball somewhere, you see him located with the ball. Can he builds you some confidence there and, go, and give you some of the reasons why you felt like maybe he should have pushed through to begin with. So him, yes. And then Craig Young, what's he doing? When is he, is he in on third down? Is it a first and second and third down type of thing? What, how are we using this bullet? And is he going to be lined up as a safety or is he going to be lined up alongside with the linebackers? I mean, this is going to be one of those with that, the bullet, the third, the slot corner, the extra safety, whatever, where I think we're going to, you know, we're going to end up going through every snap mm-hmm. and writing down what were the personnel groupings and who was out there. And I think we'll probably end up doing like our own version of, a, of an 11 Warriors snap count off of this because you're just trying to fit the pieces together and sort of some of the how in the secondary is obviously tied to the how at linebacker, like what, who's out there on, in what situations and, and who are all the guys of like, okay, well, this guy's really more of a safety or, oh, this guy's more of a middle linebacker. This guy's more of a, there, there is sort of a lot of information gathering with that back seven of just like the jigsaw puzzle, Nathan of like, which is, which I think is fun. You know, because again, it's and it's not going to be that there's just one puzzle. You know, there's the base package and then there's all the sub packages they play off of that. But we don't have a great handle even on sort of like the basics of the defense from the back seven perspective in both the who and the how right now. Yeah, I don't think I come out of Saturday again, other than maybe the assumption we already have about Taraja Mitchell. I don't know if I come out of Saturday making any broad assumptions about who's starting at the other two spots. I don't know if I I'm going to be able to say somebody wins a job, but I, I because you're going to have, the other thing is like you guys, we haven't mentioned Tommy Eichenberg will be in there. Reed Carrico will be in there. He, you know, had to pick a practice the other day and got his black stripe taken off already. I mean, they're going to be, it's going to be a lot of guys involved. I think it's more just about who can maybe capitalize on that moment. It's if it's only going to be one half of true scrimmage football and you're mixing all those guys up in there, the opportunity that each guy has could be somewhat limited who like makes the most of that. And, but also just, again, it goes back to the eye test a little bit, like who's out there, uh, you know, gets locked up with somebody else that's pretty good and makes a play that sort of thing. Like those are the other things to kind of watch for within the game too, or within the scrimmage. It's not like, Oh, um, you know, uh, Craig Young looked good on this play. It's like Craig Young was locked up with, uh, Jeremy Ruckert and you know uh, denied him the ball or whatever like those sorts of things those are important like looking for the matchups inside the scrimmage all right Stephen what's another thing you had on your list uh, it's it's not one of, it's one of the four or five because I went a little deeper because I don't know if they're going to tackle I don't think they're going to tackle so I don't know if you're going to get the full experience of what he is but Travion Henderson as one of the who's and um, freshmen seem to you know flash in these moments I've only been the one spring game and obviously Garrett had that moment can he have a little moment in the spring game, even if it's not full goal tackle, but it's enough of a tackle where you get it. Some of the stuff that you saw on film from his junior year, where he kind of can show you some of that explosiveness that we, I don't, we haven't seen it in practice, but in that black stripe video that when he got his black stripe off, they showed some of that explosiveness. Can we see some of that on Saturday? It is hard because there are enough highlights of high school players out there now that mm-hmm. you can, you get a sense, some sense of a guy but I think you can also trick yourself with the sense that you think you're getting because you don't know the level of competition. You don't know how good their teammates were, how good their coach was with play calling. So I think when it comes to Trayvon Henderson, Evan Pryor, and I would throw Mayan Williams in that mix, and maybe Steel Chambers and Marcus Crowley too, like maybe everybody, just get a sense of like, okay, well, who's, who seems to have great vision? Who made a great cut in the hole? 
who ran away from a guy at the second level? Who had great wiggle? Who was just diabolically explosive? Who ran with power? Who like in the zone, who like in the, in the wide zone, like got to the edge and like made a cut, hit a cutback lane, like all this stuff, because there's so many things that go into it. Again, Trey Sermon will karate kick you in the head, but early on in his Ohio state career, that was like, well, his vision and finding the hole and that kind of thing. I, the idea, if, if somebody's hitting holes on Saturday, like they're all talented, they're all fast. They're all powerful. They all can make cuts. But if somebody is hitting a hole with a little vision and a little giddy up, it's like, okay, okay, that looks like a thing. And I just don't know. I think we've all talked about the running backs. I don't know if you said right now, rank all the running backs other than Master Teague in vision, speed, elusiveness, tackle breaking, cutback. Like I, I couldn't even begin to start, right? It's like, oh, does Evan Pryor catch the ball a little bit better out of the backfield? Is, is Mayan Williams a little more power? I don't know. I hope we'll have a we'll be a little more educated on that, Nathan, after Saturday. And and again, they're all pretty good at everything, or they wouldn't be at Ohio State, but I hope we get a little clearer picture. I mean, I think back to these last two season openers where regardless of what the numbers were, I think you came out of both those games, and this certainly applied to 2020. We came out of that game thinking, boy, that just didn't look right from a running back standpoint. There was hesitance. There, They just weren't sharp. They weren't hitting holes. And I think what you look for in a game like this, exactly what you're talking about, like, you know, who, who are you getting a, a better vibe from? Like, who actually goes out there and plays with some urgency, plays with um, – with some assertiveness and, and looks like they are ready to go out and, and play a game tomorrow. Like that's what I want to see. And I think it especially applies to those freshmen to Henderson and prior. We don't have any reason to think that they, they wouldn't play like that, but just what, do, what, what, what vibe are they putting off when they get the ball? All right, Nathan, do you have anything else on your extended list? Um, you know, the, one other thing I wrote down, uh, just two quick who's and it was, um, Getting to see Cade Stover really play some tight end and because we still think that he's going to maybe have to play a big role as the number two guy. And then just seeing Paris Johnson Jr. and a, a, an extended look of him playing guard and how that fits in with the rest of the line. And like you said, we don't know how much Munford and Petit Frere will be out there, but um, I, I still want to see if, if they're going to keep him at, at guard for these scrimmage spots, which I assume they will because they've got it. He needs those reps there. You know, what does that look like? Steven, what else is on your list? I think he, he just touched on it. Paris Johnson was the, my number five thing just because, I mean, him being on the inside where it's more about power than it is about his finesse and stuff like that, seeing what he did against Clemson, what his highlight tape looked like. I mean, how many times is he going to pancake somebody on Saturday? Uh, I mean, that guy, that guy makes blocking look fun. And I don't know how many offensive linemen can do – I mean, he's pancaking guys in high school and then dancing on top of them. Now, obviously, I don't, he's not going to be able to dance on top of guys as, as much at the college level, but, you know, can he kind of – he flashed and against Clemson. Can he can do that a little bit more consistently now that he's a starter? So I, I assume you guys maybe know this to some degree. I, I never watched this guy play, but it's the name that, that the guys who have been around longer than me bring up every spring spring game. Bam Childress as a guy who was like a spring game superstar. And so Bam Childress's name comes up all the time of like, who's, who's the spring game superstar. And sometimes it's a guy who's like greatest day as an Ohio state Buckeye is in the spring game 
Or sometimes it's a guy who does something in the spring game that is your tip-off to a fantastic career to come. So I don't want this to be a negative in any way. But if we each had to name, like, the guy that we think will be the MVP of the spring game, right, just the guy that eh, maybe it's stats-related, maybe he just makes multiple big plays, maybe he just consistently all day looks like a guy and raises, like, everybody's impression of him so that people after Saturday think about that player differently than they thought going into Saturday. Nathan, who would be your nominee as our – Buckeye Talk, spring game MVP, our guests. Somebody that they think about differently than they did going into Saturday. Well, but it could be, as I always say, differently could be good to great. I mean, differently could be, I mean, like, uh, I knew um, Zach Harrison was good, but they let him play 12 snaps and he was unblockable, right? Or, you know, I, I knew... Garrett Wilson was the man, but my God, he looked like a top five pick in the two series he played. I always, I always want to leave room for those guys, but the guy that people will be talking about, the guy that when we say, what's everybody writing about? Somebody's going to say, well, I'm going to write about that guy. And, the, and they're going to bring him in for interviews because he was so good Saturday. You have to write about him because everybody's going to be talking about him. Who is that? I think it might be Teron Vincent just because as much as we've talked about the depth of this offensive line, um, you know, he getting to potentially line up against some second or third string guys and, and get unleashed there. If he really is playing at the top of his game now and, and playing healthier than ever that he might be able to get in the backfield and make some noise. Steven, who's your guy? Jackson Smith, the jig buff. He's got to be number one. It's just, I mean, his first touchdown, it had you thinking, imagine if there were fans in here right now, how crazy that would have been. And then we wouldn't have gotten to talk to him for another 10 weeks. And players would be going, oh, yeah, he's been doing stuff like that in practice all the time, just like they were doing with Garrett in 2019. He's going to get the reps. And he's going to get the targets because Garrett and Chris aren't playing much. I won't be surprised if he has another catch like he did against Nebraska, and then he's out of here. It's, I mean, and then we get to talk to him about it all after the game. Yeah, he's my guy, too. Jackson Smith, the Jigba, was, was my guy, too, for everything you just said. So I'll say another guy. I'll say Cam Martinez. I'll say a guy maybe picks the ball off, maybe he knocks a couple down, maybe he just looks quick and instinctive and is fighting guys, you know, for balls in the air. There's just maybe multiple throws where his guy's not open because he's draped all over him because he just is agile and has clearly adjusted to being a cornerback. So I think those are three good names for our spring game MVP candidates. Nathan and Steven will be there Saturday. I will not be there Saturday. Uh, I, don't th- I don't think we could get three spots, but maybe we could. I think there's a small chance I'm there Saturday. But Nathan and Steven are there for sure. At the very least, I'll be watching on TV. We'll have all kinds of coverage after the game on Saturday. Writing about it at cleveland.com slash OSU. Post-game puck Buckeye talk that will be up sometime early evening on Saturday. And then, of course, we'll be texting. We'll be texting not just the stuff that you're seeing while you watch it, but, like, our analysis in the moment of the stuff that you're watching. And, like, the hey, that just happened, and it means this. This is a great time to try it. Try it just for a day and then bail on Sunday. It's a 14-day free trial. It's 614-350-3315 if you would want to join us to get those spring game texts. I think it, it enhances 
your enjoyment of stuff like that. We do text a lot when it's game day, but we try to text. I mean, we're not texting play-by-play because we assume you're watching. So we're texting what matters. We're texting like the analysis in the moment, 614-350-3315. Friday podcast will be about the receivers. We'll see you guys then. Then we'll see you after the spring game on Saturday. For now, on behalf of Stephen Means and Nathan Baird, I'm Doug Maurice, and that was Buckeye Talk.